In the evening, we will do the Prajnaparamita practice. <coughs> Most of you have uh, done it before. So, Prajnaparamita, the perfection of wisdom. And this is exactly uh, the same as uh, Mingo Rinpoche pointing to that which is beneath our reactivity, that what we learn to rely upon. Prajnaparamita is undescribable and ungraspable. And when she is... Um, Yeah, so in the Tibetan iconography, she is um, a golden goddess sitting in a lotus, four arms. But uh, so if you don't have an image of her, you can also just you know, come up with something which speaks to you. Golden in color. And... Uh, while we do this practice, uh, we stay aware that we are relating to the goddess inside. So we are relating to that which is beneath our reactivity. And for the for for, for as support to reconnect or to recognize, we project. Prajnaparamita out, and then we integrate her back into where she comes from. Uh, obviously, this practice is not uh, helpful for everyone, so it's completely fine if you feel it's bullshit or too religious or something, so then you just uh, sit here and see what happens. It's a, it's a, devo it's a way of the path of devotion, you know, so to the surrender, so, so the, to the <coughs> surrender to something which is already here, surrender to your true nature, calling for her asking her to reveal herself because you are ready. So it's something like, I know you're residing in my heart. Please reveal. Please reveal yourself to me. I'm ready. So we will recite the mantra. Uh, which is Om, om Gate Gate, Paragate, Parasamgate, Bodhisattva. This is also the mantra of the, uh, which you find in the Heart Sutra. So this makes this mantra also very special, because the Heart Sutra is one of the most recited and um, recited texts within the Tibetan tradition. So we can know that. Um, when we recite this mantra, there's many, many, many people uh, reciting the same mantra with us. A kind of uh, possible translation of the mantra is Gate uh, Gate means gone, gone. So Gate means gone or go. So it, has, it can be uh, it ha can have these two two meanings. So it's just go, kind of go, while so gone. So gone, gone, gone beyond. Uh, so gone beyond, gone beyond what? Beyond reactivity. So this is uh, practicing, or this is describing the practice of the Shravakayana, <coughs> Where, where the aim of your practice is, is to go beyond samsara, to leave samsara behind, gone beyond. 
but in the Mahayana tradition we go one step further, so Paragate, gone beyond, Parasamgate, Parasamgate, uh, go beyond, beyond, go beyond, beyond. So this is the aim in the Mahayana tradition, to go beyond samsara and nirvana. Go beyond, beyond. So where do you end up when you go beyond, beyond? It's here. You end up in the same place. It's a full circle. It's also sometimes called going back to the marketplace. So on the Shravakayana, you have decided the marketplace is hopeless, it sucks, I want to get out of here, go beyond. The Mahayana, you go beyond, beyond. You come back. Being in the world, but not from the world. Then uh, Bodhisattva, Bodhi awakening. So this is... uh, so are something like Amen, yeah? and this can be understood as uh, and establish your, establish yourself there, establish yourself, establish yourself beyond beyond. So and the, this mantra is one way to kind of create a resonance with uh, uh, with Prajnaparamita. And what is an important moment when you, and this is true whenever you recite mantra, that is when you stop to recite. So that's when you stop, when it's gone, the mantra. There's a, there's a space. One of the names Prajnaparamita has is uh, she's also called the Great Mother. And she's called the Great Mother because everything comes from the undescribable and dissolves back into the undescribable. She gives birth to everything. An important part of any kind of uh, tantric practice with a so-called deity is that you hold the view that the Lama and the deity are the same thing. The deity is the Lama, the Lama is the deity. So with the invocation of Prajnaparamita, we also then invoke the presence of the Dalai Lama or other masters who have received uh, tantric initiation with. So you, you feel their presence with uh, the presence of Prajnaparamita. The other important uh, aspect of the generation stage of Tantra, which this practice belongs to is you hold the view of emptiness. The image is vividly appearing, but it's it has no essence. It's unfindable as something. It's vividly appearing, yet it is nothing. This is true for everything, but it's kind of a bit easier to realize that this is a projection. And then you start to apply the same kind of 
views uh, to all other appearances as well. They seem to be a bit more real, the people around you, but uh, they have, they also, they, ha they also have no essence, they are unfindable. They vividly appear like a rainbow, but if you look for them and you find, try to find something there, you won't find anything. They are empty. practice of uh, Prajnaparamita and Tara can have uh, kind of another purpose uh, and that is um, a sense of remothering so you emphasize you know, the quality of care, of being loved of being protected of being seen in that way, uh, the practices like Prajnaparamita or Tara can be part of um, the healing of your wounds. this little journey to take some time to reconnect to shift gear into meditative awareness as Mingo Rinpoche puts it self-improvement projects or productivity projects with the same kind of feeling you have after days of work and you allow yourself to rest so in the same way I invite you to rest from thinking and open your awareness into the whole body and the surroundings
of the struggle with what is as best as you can. of Brahma Paramita, the Great Mother, the Goddess, golden in color, sitting in a lotus. She's holding a watcher and the Heart Sutra. With her, the presence of your masters, teachers, lamas. and allow yourself to feel her presence with your whole body bathing in her light you notice her eyes, her smile unshakable peace. If there's something unresolved in your heart, you will just hold it into a loving gaze. You can hear you can hear her, even smell her. somewhere else. She is alive, but transparent like an angel, a being of light. you wish you can also invite a few people or some people you worry about people in crisis Inside the mantra, you continue to shower in her presence and you become more and more like her. So her love, her wisdom starts to fill your whole body, every cell of your body. Oh. 
personal parameter, the goddess, the perfection of wisdom, the great mother, radiant, blissful, smiling, dissolves and her presence fills your whole body. And you become aware of the goddess inside, residing at the center of your heart. Like she always does and will. And 
from the Great Mother inside, their wisdom and their compassion starts to spread into your whole body. of love you are seeking. wholeness which is already here, you radiate peace. reaches out to your parents, children, partner, friends, colleagues. And you see a personal parameter in all of their hearts. yourself that the goddess is always residing in each situation wherever you go you can always turn towards her she's everywhere and nowhere to her and you can never lose her.
thought uh, I would uh, say something about taking the precepts already tonight. We will do it on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So then I don't need to do it tomorrow. Um, so who has not taken precepts here before? Yeah, but you, you were in retreats where I gave oh, the precepts. Okay. Yeah. So it's only you. Mm. Have you are you aware that we are doing it? Or? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, have you read something about it? Or? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I need to go much into details. Um, the five basic lay vows are pretty straightforward, and then uh, yeah, the the uh, the other three. Okay, I don't try to sell them. Uh, this time. <laughs> um, but um, what I would like to say a few words about is possible possible attitudes <laughs> which uh, will make this uh, occasion a bit more joyful or meaningful for us. Um, so, mainly the, the, the eight precepts is about cultivating harmlessness. And this is actually a very profound and challenging practice. Particularly in the complex world we are living in. So it's quite challenging to have a compass in your life towards harmlessness because you're, you're never going to reach it. It's impossible. Uh, but it can be like a compass uh, directing your actions, harmlessness to you, towards yourself and others and towards the planet. So it's, it's hopeless to strive for perfection in this. But uh, it's so powerful to have a kind of ideal where you can, uh, where you can strive for. And sometimes it's so... The situations are so complex. It's actually difficult, you know, to say so. What, what is the least harmful to do in this situation? What's the least harmful to eat? What's the least harmful car to drive? What's the least harmful job you can have? So taking the Mahayana precepts is making this kind of statement together that this is, this is the compass, this is what we want to move towards, to be harmless, not to hurt us and others. So if we make a leap of faith, then... Uh, and you don't need to do that. This is just, you know, this is a possibility. Um, so when we take the eight Mayana precepts, um, we create, uh, we we create mental habits of. trying to avoid harming others as much as we can.
And, uh, and this is very important because life can, might get very difficult. Food might get scarce. And then what? I mean, it's, it's easier not to kill each other when there's you know, security and places and water and food. But we, I mean, even if we don't, if, even if everything in our lifetime stays more or less as it is, you know, we are pressed sometimes in our life. We get stressed. We, we get scared. We start to compete. The evil in us comes out. And uh, you know, having a, a strong practice of harmlessness can really carry th you through these times. So in the text, you know, Lama Sopa is uh, you know, very good in um, providing us with the information of the power of um, taking these precepts together as a group. It lifts up our vitality. We feel good when we don't harm. We feel good when we are aligned with these deep values which we carry in our heart. And this feeling good, that's something which then supports you in your practice to, in your practice of bodhicitta, in your practice of realizing emptiness. In the text, it says that you know um, people who, are, who can perceive subtle energies that they actually see when people take these vows and they live in these twenty-four hours of protection. Maybe you have noticed it in, in some monks or nuns. vitality and joy and some purity so it's not just you know saying some words they do something with us they do something in our psyche So then, kind of more mundane benefits. Have you heard about interval fasting? <laughs> if not, Google it. <laughs> um, Another aspect of the Eight Mahayana precepts is to simplify our life. Just to simplify our life. And one way to simplify our life is only to eat once a day. Because then all the time of you know shopping, preparing, cooking food, you know, it just goes is not there. Uh, so there's more space for uh, being with the hunger. And, <laughs> and here I don't mean just the hunger for food, but tana, yeah, tana, thirst, the hunger which leads to dukkha, suffering. Mm. So, you know, for us, 
eating is often emotional eating. So we try, we eat not only because uh, to nourish this body. Why would we want to nourish this body? Because this body is the sacred temple within which we will awaken. That's why we want to nourish this body. Yeah, but uh, for maybe for all of us, uh, eating also has this uh, kind of emotional, uh, you know, kind of mother does not love me enough, so I need to eat to get some mm -hmm. something. So uh, dropping some uh, some some meals uh, for a few days uh, you know, can make us more aware of that that tunnel, that restlessness, which we try to calm down with food. And then if we don't have food, we kind of a little bit pushed to seek for something else. And, and this is why we are here, we're seeking for the something else. And if we have Facebook and food, then we use that. And then if you take it away, then yeah, then, then you have to somehow. Yeah, so, so what do I do now? Yeah. So usually I'm not, as you know, I'm not like uh, the guy who tells people to sit on the concrete uh, and you know open the windows so the flies come in. <laughs> uh, but uh, I also, it's not that I dismiss this kind of practices, because I know it really works for some people. But, um, but like a bit of a kind of pressure, a bit of you know, pushing into discomfort during a retreat, I think this is, this is really helpful. If it's done gently and you know, not like uh, going over your limits, you know, for sure not. Yeah, but like a, a little, a little, a little discomfort. So it's it's a good opportunity for us to kind of get to know a bit our stories around food, our fears around food, um, and just to get to know it, yeah, not. Not needing to fix it, also, but just getting to know it, and then, and then, you know, maybe being pressed a little bit more into the question: Okay, is there something else which can really feed me? Really, like something which can quench my thirst, the the real thirst. So, mm, is there someone uh, who already know you wrote to me? So you you are going to eat. Is there someone the you yeah. mm, you four? Okay, five. So they have good reasons to do it. You don't need to speculate or something. But you know, so. Uh, but, um, so, you have to take care of your food. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you have to, I don't know, what you need in the morning, if you, if, you, if you need to eat something in the morning or in the evening, so you can, you know, eat, eat the leftovers if there's some, or you know, there's bread and cheese, or so, so what you need. So you do you do something, and the others say just uh, notice what happens <laughs> in you. Yeah. Okay. So, are there any questions around this precepts, food? Uh, I wonder if it's okay to. Even if not being part of 
uh, take a look with it together here if it's okay to have um, to do it later on in the day most of it mm. Um, yeah, of course, it's always you know uh, good. Uh, um, so that is also you know even so if you don't if you don't want to um, do the fasting practice, you can take the you know, the eight Mahayana precepts on and dropping and dropping that practice there's a certain sentences it's actually not part of the vows so it's it's something kind of extra added to, to this practice the fasting so you can do that um, one of the uh, kind of rules or guidelines to take the eight Mahayana precepts is to do it in the morning you're actually supposed to do it before sunrise. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Buddha didn't live in Sweden. <laughs> so it is also says in the text that you have to adopt, adapt to the, you know, to the, who I looked, in the north of Sweden they never could take precepts <laughs> because there is no sunrise. Uh, um, so, so we have to adapt. So, if you do it kind of uh, earlish, yeah, so what, what is what is for you earlish? So then, and then you do it, yeah, and kind of maybe you imagine a sunrise. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, uh, when do we take it? Uh, when 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 do we start? Six. Six o'clock. So it's quite. It's okay. We could push to five, you know. But so this is on Tuesday. On Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, and Thursday. I just usually I talk about it in the evening before, but I feel a bit too tired to read you the stories. It's easier for me to do them. <laughs> and I don't have to concentrate so much. My eyes are also tired. Um, yeah. So are you fine with them? I'm actually not sure of all yeah. of them. Ah, okay. Can you just yeah. mention So it's, uh, I mean, yeah, so not killing, uh, not stealing, not lying, uh, not no sexual misconduct in the context of the uh, eight Mahayana precepts. It means no sexual activity on that day. And then uh, no drugs. Yeah. Um, so these are also the five lay vows, except with the no, with the sexual misconduct. So the lay with the lay vows, you vow not to harm others through your sexual acti activity. So that's the five vows, uh, and then there is. Um, not sitting on high thrones and not sleeping in luxurious beds. <laughs> uh, no singing and dancing. I mean, singing and dancing in a kind of mating way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. If we would sing and dance, uh, I mean, we sing, I mean, we sing the mantra, but if we would do some sacred circle dance, uh, that would be fine. Uh, and then, uh, uh, no, the eating is not in here. So the last one is not to put on garland, garlands and jewelry. So this, uh, in this, uh, refers to kind of extra stuff. So, I mean, if you have an earring always or a ring or something, so that's fine. You don't need to take it off. Now don't don't uh, put on your party gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... And then there's, uh, then there's the practice uh, with the eating is, is uh, something within the 
within this ritual. Uh, so it's a bit of uh, um, adopting the monk's or nun's lifestyle for 24 hours. So this is basically, uh, this describes basically the guidelines of a monk or nun. So if you keep as a monk or a nun, if you keep these eight vows, you are considered a pure monk or a pure nun. And the rest is like, okay. <laughs> At least the Tibetans. Huh? <laughs> it doesn't matter so much. And you take it for 24 hours, so from sunrise to sunrise. And it's recommended to do it on full moon and new moon. Because it is, uh, you know, they say that full moon and new moon have some disturbing influences on our subtle energies. So, and uh, this 24 hour vows uh, creates a protection. Yeah. yeah, you can do it you know, at home if you want to do a weekend retreat or. Um, I know people who also do it in daily life, so it's possible. So you you uh, you break the vows when you do things intentionally. So if you step on a bug or you brush one hundred people <laughs> from your skin and squash them uh, without intention, then then you don't you don't break. You don't break this law, so the intentions needs to be there. I think it's quite difficult to yeah, okay the killing. I mean you could go out and hunting mosquitoes in the retreat. But otherwise uh, since we are silent lying is a bit difficult. Mm. Stealing, uh, yeah. I don't know. Don't steal the shampoo of your neighbor. <laughs> uh, uh, masturbation, I mean, okay, you can do it in the forest, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm not drinking. So there's no beer here, so it's not it's not that that difficult. Uh, so, but still, um, even if you know, even if you, so they say in the teachings that so even if you are not uh, tempted because you're in a safe environment, you still uh, uh, receive the benefits of um, living in the vows. So is there anything else? Questions or something you want to me to talk about? We can also stop soon. Some of you look quite tired. Anything which is anything you're sitting on or something you Maybe I can just uh, put a little extra to the food for the evening for the people who's... I can say it now because you're mm -hmm. talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so for you, some of you have said to us before that you will eat in the evening, and you have. I have already instructed you, but uh, um, you have a lot of soft bread and cheese mm -hmm. and fruit and uh, all the leftovers. Mm -hmm. Is uh, okay to eat. Yeah. Or, uh, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So don't take anything except that, please, because then you maybe eat something that will be for lunch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah. bread and cheese. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. All the and things you have on the sandwich mm -hmm. kind of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And fruits 
put the leftovers in jars mm-hmm. and we try to sign them uh, what the they date. consist mm. because ah, okay. some have uh, some people have allergies and so, so mm-hmm. we try to mark them so you can just mm-hmm. look and take whatever you want. Mm. Ah, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Then you probably cannot eat any leftovers because it's garlic and everything almost. Ah, yeah, but not on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Leftovers. Ah, from from, from now, yeah. Mm. Not the people who have allergies towards garlic. Yeah, so. Maybe it's not a good idea then. But there's rice. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so if you don't take the precepts, that would be fine. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. so the black food uh, is also uh, about, um, it's supposed to be food which is disturbing our subtle energy body. Mm. That sh- so that's why you uh, meat, eggs, garlic, onion, radish. These are the food. You're supposed to avoid. Anything? If I do a longer retreat, like a week, a month or so, mm. and want to take these precepts, should, should it be? Is it best to do it every day or can mm. you do it for a period? Or? You can do it for a period, but it's best to do it every day. Oh, to remind. To remind mm. and, uh, yeah. To, yeah. But uh, when people go into a long retreat, like a month or something like that, they sometimes take it in the beginning for the whole period of the retreat. And then there's uh, the... The option, um, at least that's, you know, I mean, there's different traditions of the eight Mahayana precepts. And I've uh, started to do it in Kopan Monastery. So uh, there is the option then to have a light uh, breakfast mm-hmm. if you do it for a longer period of time to take the precepts or some porridge or something like that. Uh, you're also supposed to um, eat uh, before noon. So that's uh, this is like the comes from the rule from the monks and nuns rules to to eat before noon. Uh, I think we start before noon, mm-hmm. uh, like twelve thirty or something like that. So that's okay. Um, there's also kind of, I mean, I mean, this is not something you need to do, but uh, there's also a bit the idea that you take only one thing, one portion. So you take something like, you know, so like a monk. You know, so you have the ball, people put something in, and that's it. You, you don't go for seconds. Mm. Uh, so you eat what is given to you, if it's little, then that's it. And if it's a bit more, okay. In general, of, of course, it is helpful uh, to uh, your... I mean, you probably we, we all eat a little bit more because we might be more hungry. But, but of course, it's always good to stop eating before you're filled up. It's always good, particularly if you want to meditate. So that would be also true, uh, you know, when you take the precepts, because then if you eat really a lot, a lot, I mean, the afternoon is takes until six, uh, until you know. Your energy can flow again. Everything goes to the stomach, and nothing is here. <laughs> uh, drinking you can do. Uh, so you can also 
put some honey into the tea. Don't put tea into the honey, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine. So if people have some kind of feeling you know, with the sugar or something like that, so you can do that or put sugar into the. Do we have sugar here? No. And do we have honey? Yeah, okay, so. Do we have chocolate? Hot <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. We're, no. we're going to the supermarket tomorrow. I'm, no, no, don't. don't. <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, and coffee is no. Yes, coffee. Yeah. Yes, coffee for mm. the states. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. coffee. <laughs> What about milk? <laughs> 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 milk? Yeah. I mean, after lunch, drink milk. Uh, I think, strictly speaking, no. I mean, now I, 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 uh, I talk from the monks and nuns' mouths, but. Uh, in Kupan, they had this uh, kind of uh, like milk powder things, you know, like Olix or something it's called. Olix? Yeah. yeah, no, it's like, and there's more stuff in it, like milk powder. So they used it, so I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if you want to be on the safe side, then you just leave it. Mm. Also, honey is debated <laughs> by, by the vegans. Honey <laughs> <laughs> is debatable. So you can drink um, yeah. how, do, how do you feel about it? No, no, no I think it's okay. It's okay, yeah. yeah. So you're not so... Mm. Mm. So... Now I have to, you have to be clear with the kitchen. Milk, mm. yes or no? Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. <laughs>